Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Twin Peaks on a Monday, getting ready for the game tonight with the Cowboys and the Giants. Willie Ramirez is here. He's got a ton of cool prizes, uh, multiple sets of show and concert tickets around town. Eddie Vedder at Park MGM, UNLV against New Mexico, Friday night at Allegiant, and much more beyond that. We'll squeeze in some UNLV talk in just a little bit, but let's do a little crunch crunch. Good rolling here. Boy, while the Raiders are struggling badly, and I'm not suggesting that Derek Carr should have been passed on to keep Marcus Mariota around, he's been pretty decent so far. And that was my game of the week was Seattle at home getting a win over Atlanta. Did not work out. Mariota, very effective. And solid win on the road. I still think Seattle there is a tough place. In Seattle, absolutely. But Mariota's a veteran, and as you said, he's been coming out, play, you know, representing well. Um, you know, I'm not sure which team looks more cohesive around his quarterback, its quarterback, I should say. Uh, right. But, I mean, in terms of passing yards, Mariota is further down the list. Derek Carr, 850. Mariota sitting at 640. Completion percentage. Mariota's I mean, the, the, the number, in, in the end, the numbers don't matter much. They're they're winning, and the one thing that Mariota definitely brings to the field is the oh, ability to get out of the pocket and escape pressure. And you know, Derek Carr isn't as maybe spry as good as he once was escaping the pocket. So again, I'm not saying Mariota would have been the choice over Derek Carr, and I'm not blaming the start on Derek Carr because he's had his moments. Yesterday, there were a bunch of drops. So. To be frustrated at Derek Carr is, to me, kind of silly because it's a, right. it's a team-wide problem. But but there is someone on the show who did suggest that when they flipped the page that the Raiders, who are now 0-3, should have tore things down, shopped Carr, and moved on from him. That was last so season, So maybe right? after, after last season, as, as McDaniels, before McDaniels got hired and after McDaniels got hired, before they started making moves, which was, as Paul Gutierrez said last week on this Monday show from ESPN.com, he said, hey, these guys came in to shine, you know, with the goal of shining this thing up, as opposed to Gruden, who wanted to tear it all down. I don't think they needed to tear it all down, but, you know, middle of the season, are we going to be looking at a situation where the team's 2-6, and six, you know, or some dreadful record like that, and you're like, okay, now we have to – I mean, I had people asking me today, what's the cap hit next year for Derek Carr? Now, if you – Look back on that contract, I think a lot of people were kind of duped into believing this is like some fully guaranteed extension that Derek Carr got. He did not get fully guaranteed. No. They're on the hook for the money this year, That's and if it. they want to move on after the year, both sides can move on. No, wait a minute. Well, let's say that they go 2-6 and six at the midway mark. Okay? Let's say they do. And? Please don't do this. Who's the backup? Oh, isn't it... Uh, Josh McDaniels' boy. We're not. We're not doing quarterback controversy. I'm not Steady. doing. Steady. I, 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 wait a minute. Car has to be. Car has to be hurt. I was talking after the season. I'm not talking. I'm talking this season because what did Keyshawn say? Who? Okay, well, I, I, in the in, he 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 threw out there 
maybe it's time for a split. To, to put him. Yeah, in, yeah to put him yeah. in. He's going to get this whole season. Okay, so there's not going to be a point where Stiddy is the better option than Derek Carr. That will never happen. You just put so, the Maloik on the kid. So, now, so, now he's so going mark that one down. This will you can play this back. <laughs> I mean, if he gets hurt, then obviously someone else is going to have to play. But Derek Carr has not played that poorly. No, to he even is not. consider. I mean, no, I had no, people no, no. today tweeting no. at me quarterback no. controversy. No. I mean, it's no. No. you know, no, 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 no. To, to no, Rose not, Fern, I mean, you're, not, I, I love your trolley stuff, and that's just. I'm not. You, and and by the way, he got Derek he got me because I mentioned it on the air. I'm not putting it on Derek Carr that he'd be the reason. But if the chemi- if it's not all there, here's the reason. You want to know the real reason why he's not getting going anywhere? Let's let's put it point blank. It has nothing to do with any other other thing. But you brought his college buddy in here, so that would be the first reason. You brought him all the way in. You convinced him to get here, and now you're going to ship him out. That's so that that would be the first reason. But I'm just saying, let's not forget who's waiting in the wings. If this thing is not, you know, it, to Derek Carr's defense, not because of him. You know, who's going to start going? Who's going to start going in the middle of the season first? If it's not Carr, you're not going to get rid of McDonald's. Coordinators? I mean, Paul tweeted, Paul Gutierrez. No, no one's going in the middle of the season. Nobody. No. None. No. Coordinators aren't going anywhere. Just no. like that they. No. Not not in year one. No. Okay. No. All right. I mean, what, if they're 0-8 and people are punching each other on the field, then, yeah, I guess there's. I mean, it would have to be catastrophic <laughs> failure for any changes to be made on a staff. I mean, what? They're punching each other on the field. Right? I guess. I mean, is Mick Lombardi going to be a fall guy? I mean, this is. I don't know. None of those changes are going to happen. You know. It's way too early to start talking about that. Okay. I'm laying things down. A bunch of different clips you can use later in the season. They're going to bounce back. Now, bouncing back, does that mean they can win seven games? I think so. Can they get to nine after an 0-3 start? It's going to be tough. There's 14 games left. Without even looking at the schedule. Forget about what we did at the beginning of the show. There's 14 games left. What's realistic that a team can go in 14 games? If, there's, if you're looking at a 14-game season, can this team still win 10 games? I don't think so. Okay, well. I mean, 6-8, and 7-7 seven and seven rest of the way? So 7-10. and 10. That's your, You're calling it 7-10. and 10. Probably where it lands. Okay. I mean, I'd like to be more optimistic, but... I can't be your tip, typical glass overflowing cofield in this case. Not with the way things are going right now. I don't think I've ever run across a glass overflowing. Yes, all the time on the show. All the time. Only with UNLV. No, actually, I'm probably not glass overflowing with UNLV. I picked against them last week. Did you? Yeah. I don't remember that. I didn't do it during our spot, but the uh, day before, or maybe it was on our podcast, our UNLV All Access podcast with Caleb Herring, I picked uh, 31-27, Utah State. What I picked? Uh, you picked an easy win, ten point win. Yeah, that's pretty good. How come you didn't have us pull that one? I forgot. I, I said, oh, I sent it to Ari. I, Maybe I said, it's coming later. I in the screenshot show. it and I sent it to somebody. Maybe I, it's coming later in the show. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Willie is next level reporter with the Raiders. I don't get these kind of things. Did you get a chance to screen HBO Real Sports, which features Darren Waller? This is tomorrow. I did. I watched it today while I was at the gym. Don't give away any secrets because we're going to try to hunt down David Scott, who did the piece, correspondent from HBO Real Sports, here in a couple minutes. What do you think? A lot of stuff you didn't know about? Uh, it, it's, it's not that you don't know about it. It's more so Darren being very poignant about certain things, about almost dying 
of an overdose, about things that he now does in the community that you may not know of. Adam and I actually touched on it um, a little bit, but um, it was very well done. You know, it's very, it's, you know, real sports. It's, a, you know, the nine, ten minute little segment, and then they'll go back to, I'm sure, you know, where he's in the studio talking to Brian Gumbel, you know, uh, David Scott. So it was, it was, um, it was very well done. It was very good. Darren was very open about it. And, but here's the thing that I, I, I texted Darren. I reached out to Darren. I never got a reply. But, of course, they were probably in meetings all day. And after yesterday, probably didn't want to talk. But I would love to ask him, after watching that set, you know, what's, what, what people will see tomorrow night on Real Sports, when you are involved with somebody – and they win a championship and you're on a party bus and you're part of the celebration and you're on the stage and you're you know you're you're rolling you're you're, you're you know what I mean you're you're part of it is there a you know is the temptation because here's the thing when you're a recovering addict and you're still going to meetings you're always in recovery there's always temptation and you have somebody who you're involved with reach a specific high, and I don't mean that figuratively, but I mean I'm talking like the peak of their of their season. They win the whole thing, and you have to stay relatively, you know, you have to stay sober, right? And now on top of it, your team, which there were somewhat some high expectations, is plummeting. You get the taste. And you hear a lot of the things that he was involved in. You hear a lot of the things that he was taking. Some of the stuff where I'm not going to give it away. Like I said, I mean, things that he was going to his friend's house and, and doing. I mean, but he reveals a lot. He talks. He talks. He, it's very so. We've we've he's talked about it in media availabilities. We've you know he's been very open. Um, but the details in certain things that he brings up, and which he's interviewed about is what I was impressed with. But I would like to ask him what it's been like. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football on the way. Twin Peaks on Eastern in Henderson is the location. Willie Cofield. Willie, you said you got a chance to see the HBO Real Sports piece on Darren Waller. I did. And it was very good. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot more in-depth stuff about Darren's past than we've ever heard before. Mm -hmm. David Scott did the interview and the piece for HBO Real Sports. It's coming up tomorrow, another episode. And David's nice enough to join us from HBO here. Cofield and Willie in Vegas. How are you, sir? Thank you so much for having me. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for doing it on short notice. So, first of all, uh, the idea to do this piece, where does it come from? Uh, it comes from our, our producer, uh, Evan Burgos. You know, we read everything. We, we talk to everybody. We only do, you know, 33 stories a year. So you can imagine uh, we're, we're very selective about them. And um, 
and this is one that uh, Evan developed, and, uh, and we thought uh, the time was uh, was right to open a window on, you know, really the issue of uh, of addiction through uh, through Darren's lens. David, I have to ask you just—I'm just curious, and I mean, you don't have to give specifics, but it, it, it yeah. obviously it was pre-produced. This is—it's been you know in production um, because. I, was it before the season, or, or was it recent when you when you had a chance to speak with him? Because oh I, yeah, I, it, it was recent. It was recent. It was just uh, it was just um, it was actually earlier this month. Okay, yeah, because we were going to bring up Darren was kind of put to the test um, earlier. Well, just last week, he you know he's uh, we think he's in a relationship with Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces, and they did a big victory parade, and it was your typical victory parade. There's you know there's booze around, and you know folks seem mm-hmm. inebriated. They're fired up, and it's just like I. I would think that Darren has had to deal with this, you know, his his entire existence since, um, you know, overcoming addiction and now still fighting it, you know, dealing with tough positions. Yeah, it is tough. I mean, you know, um, I asked him if, if he believed that there that addiction uh, has a cure, and and he and he said no, and he expects to be managing the disease for the rest of his his life, and I think that's how a lot of uh, a lot of people in act, active recovery. Um, think about it, and um, and then it just becomes a matter of uh, of discipline. And you know, Darren in Darren's case, he makes a practice of meditation, of journaling. Um, he's you know he has these like inviolable weekly meetings with his uh, with his sponsor. Um, you know, copiously follows the twelve step uh, program, and the last step um, is service to others, and and that's what. Um, that's what we really see in, in this piece. Um, you know, some benef- some benefactors write checks. Uh, Darren Waller's down in these tunnels handing out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's actually quite moving to see. Speaking to David Scott from HBO's Real Sports, he did the piece on Darren Waller entitled, The Fear of Staying the Same Becomes Greater Than the Fear of Change. Very, very poignant statement that he makes to somebody down in the tunnels underneath Las Vegas Strip. I have to ask you, Going into it, you prepare, as we do as reporters. You, you do your research, as you said. You read the stories. You, 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 you get prepared. What surprised you most or moved you most? As You know, we try not to become emotionally involved, but this is such a moving story with such a great guy. What moved you? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you, you really can't even prepare for, for an experience this surreal. Um, it's you know it's literally like a netherworld down there, um, you know these 600 miles of drain pipe tunnel uh, that are now inhabited by by you know we're told something like 1,500 people. Now that's much higher than the official estimates, but um, but you know this program that Darren works with Shine a Light, they go down there every every weekend um, to try and you know coax and help people uh, who who are ready to to come out and and then just to supply people who are not. Um, and so they they believe that there are fifteen hundred people living underneath the the neon lights right now uh, in these tunnels, and it's um and it's a bizarre experience um, to to enter that world. Um, but there is actually community there. Um, you know, some of the, the the encampments are more organized than others, but um, but you know, this is a place where where, where people really have you know found a sense of belonging. Um, and um, and you see the signs of life everywhere. There's art all over the all over the tunnel walls, and you know people have um, have made their made their beds, you know, quite literally, and and uh, and, and made their homes there. 
Um, and so that's very, you know, that, it's, it's, a, it's a moving thing to see that, you know, people are struggling, um, but, um, but they're not surrendering. And, and, um, and on the day that we're there, uh, in that conversation that you referenced, Darren and Paul Votrineau, who, who runs the program, um, are, are talking to a 47-year-old man who's been living in the tunnel for 11 years. And, uh, and they've been working on him for five years. And that was the day he decided to walk out of that tunnel. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, Shine a Light um, Foundation, they can actually put you into rehab or detox that day, put you into an apartment that day. Um, you know, while the official channels have waiting lists, um, you know, this small, nimble, community-based group is able to, you know, to, to render help right away. And then they can stay with you in the different stages of recovery for 18 months um, and, uh, and even beyond that if, if, if you need it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, a lot of that is, is, uh, is, is made possible by, by Darren's financial support and, um, and, and, his, and his elbow grease because he's, he's right in there. He's right in there in the trenches. HBO Real Sports, next edition is out tomorrow. First viewing on HBO and HBO Max is at 10 o'clock Eastern. We care about Pacific, so 7 o'clock Pacific. And then it's available on those platforms anytime after the initial rollout. David Scott is with us who did the story on Darren Waller. On, on Waller's addiction, I'm, I'm asking you more of a, an opinion question with organized sports, and I'm sure you've done other pieces on addiction. We often talk about the way the NFL operates and handing down suspensions, and we wonder if um, – players being allowed actually to stay around a team when they get in trouble with addiction or you know in the case of Richie Incognito he had there were some violent issues and there was also you know possibly some addiction issues but um, we've always talked about the structure of football that oftentimes I think it'd be better to have the player remain around the football team that the structure actually helps them keep their life straight what do you think mm. uh, yeah I can I can imagine that 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 would be the case for for certain people at certain you know certain Certain places along the the addiction spectrum, I think you know Darren would say you know, his 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 case got really extreme and uh, and and he you know he got lots of chances before he he got that year long suspension um, and um, and that's what it took for him to you know really come to to terms with um, with uh, you know his his future and and to give rehab a try um, and in this. In this uh, story, you'll see he tells a story about it. And, you know, when, during that suspension, um, on the very day that the Ravens were kicking off their, their, uh, their preseason, um, he went across town to buy drugs from a drug dealer, thought he was buying one drug, uh, got a much more lethal substance, and, uh, and, and that night had the near-death experience that, um, that brought him to the point where he was willing to try rehab and uh, and uh, through the league uh, and the players association um, he got uh, into a rehab program in Maine and it worked and now we see the Phoenix rising from the ashes he's five years sober and um, and you know uh, ups and downs this season maybe but um, but he's on a he's on a great trajectory once again speaking to David Scott from HBO's real sports. You'll see that story on Darren Waller tomorrow night. Uh, David, one more for you. The the, the part that sort of st- – I, I was watching the – I was screening it at a gym, a local gym while I was working out this morning, um, was where he admitted that he 
purposely was sabotaging his own career at, at a certain point. And I don't want to give too much beyond that, but in stories that you've done in the past, I mean, when you do these types of stories, have you heard that before? I'm sure you, maybe you have, but that just seemed odd, like, wow, like, I, okay, I'm out of control, but, but now I'm purposely going out of control to sabotage a multi-million dollar career. Well, think, you know, you think about um, what that says about the power of and control of, of addiction. You know, um, I mean, frankly, it's amazing that he could keep it going for as long as he did, you know, through high school, full ride, Georgia Tech, um, gets, you know, drafted in the NFL all that time. He's a hardcore addict. Um, so it's amazing that he was able to sort of, you know, hold it together for as long as he did. But at the point at which, um, you know, um, he, he was suspended, um, he was really, he, he was really far gone. And, um, and, and, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, he pulled it together and, and, rehab, but, um, but yeah, at that point, the shame of it, you know, the pressure of it, you know, the, the addict just wants to get out and, and still, you know, the priority is to get high, you know, the priority over everything is to get high when you're at that place in the addiction spectrum. Um, so, so yes, I think, you know, he, he, he tells us that, um, that, you know, that he was driven to the point of just self-sabotage. Um, and, uh, and boy, what a shame it would have been, um, uh, for, for that career not to, uh, not to be allowed to unfold. Yeah, and a shame for us in Vegas because he has done a lot of good work. And as you mentioned, you know, part of his mission is to help others, and he's been incredible. The Raiders have always had a good reputation as a, a char- charitable organization, and Darren's blended in beautifully, especially with this uh, program uh, designed to help the people in the tunnel. So thank you for so much time today, and I know it was on short notice. We're really looking forward to this, uh, David Scott. Thank you. No problem. Really appreciate it, guys. Take care. He's excellent. His pieces yeah. are always really good, David Scott. Long-time reporter with uh, HBO Real Sports has a massive news background. And this piece, if you haven't seen, first of all, you don't know a whole lot about Darren Waller. Like, I often think people hear, oh, he's an addict. I've already read about that. I've seen everything. You never see everything in terms of the the story being told. And then I've also, I've seen pieces on the tunnels, right? And maybe a lot of newcomers to Vegas have no idea what we're talking about. All these flood channels and tunnels, there are, as David said, thousands of people living down there we've had people perish you know when we get these flash floods and i have seen pieces i think with the same organization that featuring the tunnels and this organization where they've tried to get people out of the tunnels and they've worked i mean five years they worked on this guy and he finally left that's what david was just saying but i've seen others where people get right to the brink like they have their life down in those tunnels and they are on the brink of being given another opportunity and right at the finish line they're like nope i can't do it so it's a big deal to get them to you know break away from what they've been doing for months if not years i remember the first time i ever heard about the tunnels uh i want to say his name was matt o'brien the old las vegas city life magazine they did a piece on him and he went down there and it was more so on the homeless but it obviously mixed in with addiction but if you don't have hbo and you know someone that does i highly encourage it because you see it and hear a totally different side we've written about darren waller you've read stories online but now you're hearing and watching and seeing and the emotion in his face and what he's talking about. And like I said, what he does when he goes to friends' houses and the stuff that he was taking, it's 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 a must-see. We're out here at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Great appetizer specials, two, four, and six bucks. There's more appetizers beyond that, but these are the big specials. Got the chips and salsa for two bucks, four dollars. Fried pickles, chips and queso, mozzarella bites, and then the uh, six dollar 
uh, specials, the quesadillas, and the six boneless wings. I enjoy the six boneless wings. So Twin Peaks, Monday Night Football, Giants, Cowboys on the way with Cofield and company. Wednesdays, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. It's 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We know we can make better progress here as we go forward, and we know we need to do it quickly. We've got two great opportunities coming up here against two division opponents, one with Denver here, and really do a good job of preparing this week. You know, as a leader, being consistent with your message and what you believe in and trying to provide solutions is my job. So that's what I'm going to try to do. Look, it is what it is. You know, let's not feel sorry for ourselves. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. It's amazing what winning and losing does to the uh, narratives of a football season and Raiders fans, and I'm sure the Raiders are feeling horrible about getting out to an 0-3 start. That was Josh McDaniels on the way back. I was out at UNLV's presser today. They actually had two of them because we got availability with Kevin Kruger. So if you want to go up to uh, at Steve Cofield or at ESPN Las Vegas. I saw that. You can see some of the initial comments as the basketball season is a lot closer than you think. So Kruger spoke actually about the football team, which was cool. Marcus Arroyo and the team are feeling pretty good right now. They made quick points, though, the players that were available. Austin Ajake, who just got named the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week by the conference. Uh, Ajake was available today, as was Aiden Robbins, the A-train. By the way, we're going to talk to former NFL running back and Utah State running back, Robert Turbin, about the A-train. He really enjoyed what he saw from Aiden Robbins, I'm sure aside from the fact that UNLV beat Utah State. That's coming up. In 10 minutes. But bottom line is the vibe is feeling strong here. You know, a word that they mentioned multiple times today was we will not, as kind of the hunted now, right, because they're doing well and a lot of teams around the conference are struggling, we will not change our mindset as a team that's gotten off to a good start because we have, this word was used by a player, Ajake and Arroyo, we have scar tissue. Which as soon as I heard, because I heard Arroyo say it, and then as soon as I heard Ajake say it, I was like, okay, this has been the message. And when you go 2N16, right, you're still going to be hungry. Now, they've got to manage these winning times by remembering, you know, what it was like to get freaking kicked and punched when you were down. Yeah, and they have to appreciate and not, you know, you, you, I think you pointed this out either Friday or Saturday with me and Gooch on Throw the Flag, but in that Marcus Arroyo, in two seasons, as bad as it's been, even on the two yeah. wins, never gotten too high, never gotten Not too in front low. of us. And it's, Not in front of us. It's, after after all those games, I do the post-game interview. He wasn't much different after losses. There were a couple of real gut punches where he was down, um, but not, like, angry or snappy. Um, right. But but after the two wins they got, he was just like kind of baseline. Well, and that that's going to carry over. That's going to become infectious, and that's what it has to be. So that way, these guys are prepared for moments like this. Like, hey, you know, we're going to succeed, but we're going to learn how to succeed and learn how to ride it out, and understand that there are going to be those teams that are going to want to come in and be like, hey, let's remind these guys, don't get too cocky. Remember where you came from. Remember what you were, and they have to learn how to ride out success and be humble and use that humility to continue to fuel the fire. What did you like in this game? They beat Utah State 34-24 on the road in Logan. I just liked the consistency on both sides of the ball. I liked the way that they responded to, you know, 
bad moments, if you will, but I, I, I like the way that uh, the play calling, I like the way that Brumfield and Robbins looked. Um, for some of us, you know, that, that have watched every game, you, you sort of kind of can, you, you felt or prepared yourself for the next play or, okay, this would be a good spot for this or this. Like it, it wasn't surprising what they were doing, but yet it was still sort of exciting to see them execute. And I, I mean, I've already become a fan of Robbins before this game. So to see him get going and run the way that he does. And you know what? For Doug Brumfield, you're just happy for the guy because, you know, he, he's it's, – it's been a rough go. Injury played career in a sense. But, I mean, to see him having the season thus far, it's only four games in, but to just to see – the, that two-headed offensive monster, it's, it's, that's what I'm excited most about for this team because it's, it's not taking over the team. It's not overwhelming the team. It's not sort of – it's just it's, – it's what's fueling the offensive firepower. But there are so many components and so many guys that are coming up big. Um, I love the fact that, like, Adam Plant came up big near the, near the latter part of the game. I love the fact that, you know, there were – you know, there were timely picks. I just I just felt like it was a team effort, regardless of the big numbers for certain players. I like the consistency of this team. Good start, 3-1, and one, best start since 2008. We'll uh, break down the game a little more on the other side as we'll uh, try to get Robert Turbin, the former USU uh, running back and NFL player, on with Cofield and company. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Shotgun, tightly bunched formation, first and goal from the five. And off Robbins. Robbins has a whole touchdown. Robbins goes in standing up. And the Rebels score to make it 33-16 with 7-17 to go in the third quarter with the extra point coming up. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. That's a hell of a win on the road for Rebel football. As Aiden Robbins, you heard it there by Russ Langer. Crashing into the end zone. I was right in the end zone on that play. And he came kind of right up to us, made the LV sign. But the crunching sound when he ran over the tackler, it's pretty impressive. Big guy, productive so far, workhorse on Saturday with 28 carries. So another workhorse back in Mountain West Conference history is Robert Turbin, who went on to have a very good career in the NFL. A guy who scored 41 touchdowns during his career with the Aggies. He was there on the TV call, and Robert is in with us here on Cofield and Company. How are you? Doing well, man. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed the game. I'm doing sidelines, watching it uh, along with UNLV. What What was your feeling as the game was moving on, uh, doing the TV call, especially on the Utah State side? Well, I just felt like UNLV pretty much had the advantage throughout the football game. Uh, their execution, their uh, cohesiveness amongst one another, you could tell the difference between UNLV and Utah State. Utah State, to me, still trying to figure some things out as far as, you know, who they want to be offensively. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, I think, uh, you know, I, I give them some credit for the way that they fought. But, uh, you know, Doug Bermfield and Aiden Robbins and a quiet night for Ricky White, uh, which is uh, not, which is uncommon, and to still be able to be dominant the way that they were offensively should tell you a lot about this UNLV football team. I think it's interesting that you just said Utah State is trying to find who they are Offensively, I would have thought they're all good to go. You got your quarterback back and Logan Bonner, same head coach. You know, they're they're he's loyal to Logan Bonner. Why are they still scuffling to try to figure out what they are offensively? 
Well, you got to keep in mind that they lost 23 people uh, from last year's team, 14 of those guys being starters. A couple of those receivers are now in the NFL on a couple practice squad teams. Uh, and they were really the, you know, uh, you know, Logan Bonner, obviously the catalyst, but you got to have some weaponry around you uh, to be able to help you go. And not to say that Utah State doesn't have that now, but uh, they obviously don't have the chemistry uh, like they once did last season. You also got to keep in mind Logan coming off an ACL tear, which he suffered that injury during a bowl game uh, last year. So we're talking about December. Uh, and so you have to, you know, you have to think about the fact that during the off season there wasn't much work going on between Logan uh, and the starting receivers that are on the field right now. They didn't really get an opportunity to get that kind of work in until later on in the year as the season was, uh, you know, started to approach itself. And so you can kind of see uh, that that chemistry just isn't all the way there yet. Robert Turbin, former NFL running back, is up with Cofield and company. We're talking about Utah State and and UNLV. Did you think there was a point in the game though there where uh, Blake Anderson was going to move on from Logan Bonner? It's not. I mean, their backups are pretty accomplished guys. I'm I'm trying to figure out why he didn't try to make a change. Or did you think you know, did you think the five interceptions by Bonner? Maybe there was other stories on each one of those ints. Well, we talked to Coach Anderson before the game, and, you know, it sounded like Logan was going to be on a pretty short leash. Uh, and if they didn't like what they were seeing early, they were going to go with Logan. My God, that's the, that's the kid's last, uh, that's the kid's name, the backup quarterback in the five. But, uh, you know, they decided to stick with him. You know, quite frankly, I was, I was a bit surprised, especially after the second interception, and I thought maybe – you know, he's going to allow him to finish the first half, and then in the second half we'll see Logan get in there. Excuse me, we'll see, uh, we'll see Lagarde get in there. Cooper Lagarde is what his name is, uh, get in there in the second half. But, you know, for whatever reason, they decided against it. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure of the reason why, but I'm sure some Utah State fans would have liked to see uh, how Cooper would have fared for the rest of that game. So, Robert, you – you know, you obviously you, you attended Utah State um, prior to you going there. This was a team that had one win in 2006, and then two wins, and then three wins, and then a pair of four win seasons. Your senior year, seven and six, they go to the Idaho Potato Bowl, and the following year, when you got the, you entered the NFL draft, they go 11 and two. You've seen from afar, and then as a part of a program, growing under some you know very good coaching and Gary Anderson bringing bringing that program back to life. From what you've witnessed. In calling games, paying attention to the Mountain West, and what you saw on Saturday, UNLV on the right track. Oh man, UNLV is in prime position to uh, be the Mountain West champs, in my opinion, this season. I mean, they've got uh, you know they've got everything that they need, both offensively, defensively, special teams, and then you know a great coach and Coach Arroyo and, and his staff. They really come in and, and turn some things around and. It's really great to see a program. You know, some of these programs they can uh, be a little, they can they can kind of shoot the gun too quickly, right? Obviously, Coach Arroyo he struggled in his first couple seasons, and there are some things going on in our entire world that was just uncontrollable, right? But it's great to see a program like UNLV stick with Coach Arroyo, and he'd be able to implement his philosophy, and that philosophy then be able to translate. Uh, you know, to the guys in the locker room throughout his coaching staff. And you see the results finally starting to pan itself on the field. So, to me, uh, they're one of the best teams in the Mountain West Conference. 
wouldn't surprise wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year they're holding up the trophy as champ. Wow. All right. Didn't think we'd hear that from uh, football experts to start the season with UNLV football, but they've been building towards this. And like you said, rough couple of seasons to start. And, you know, a big thing that they've done is they turned over the roster, and they've leaned on transfer portal guys like Robbins. Uh, Jordan Morgan's a good player from Iowa State. He's playing safety. You mentioned Ricky White. What's your opinion of the transfer portal? And I almost wonder how much is too much for a football program in terms of really building cohesiveness because then there's the opposite end of the spectrum and this is a great program but like clemson and Dabo, they don't take any so what's your opinion of the transfer portal yeah i mean listen if you're a kid that uh you know like ricky white for example you know I, i'm still trying to figure out why he wasn't getting playing time at michigan state you know aiden robbins i think only played in 11 games when he was at louisville and look at what he's able to do now now the boat you got you got two guys who were at schools where, you know, seemingly their career was, uh, you know, heading, you know, in a, in a negative, you know, in a negative direction. Uh, and now they're, they put themselves in positions to not only be successful at the collegiate level, but obviously have an opportunity to play at the next level, uh, which is really what it's all about, uh, for guys that, you know, who, who have aspirations to be professionals. And so there's some good things about it. It can help your team. And obviously, there's the other side of it where it can hurt your team, right? You can lose your players, and uh, uh, that could be a detriment to your roster. Uh, but all in all, I, I, I appreciate the freedom that it gives. I like to look at things from a player perspective, and I appreciate the freedom that it gives a player uh, to want to, you know, have an opportunity to find success somewhere else. Looking back, well, you know, after your 2009 season, and then you played again in 2011, but after the 2009 season, you have a monster year. I think you guys went 4-8. and eight. Like, what would have happened if Robert Turbin had, and maybe they did, uh, well, you know, if you have, like, 10 Power 5 schools coming after you? What would you have done? Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's funny because after the 2008 season, uh, head coach Brent Guy and his staff, they were released. And, uh, you know, my dream school growing up was Notre Dame. Uh, my, my family and friends were all Notre Dame fans. I didn't watch a lot of college football growing up, but it, it was a school that I wanted to go to. And I was really close to, to transferring after the two, you know, the 08 season because at that time, you know, if, if a coaching staff was released, then you wouldn't have to sit out a year, right? That was the rule. Um, but, uh, you know, I decided to stay. I wanted to be loyal. I wanted to, you know, kind of uh, keep my word about going to a program. The reason why I wanted to go to Utah State was because I wanted to, you know, go to a program that wasn't great and, and see if we could, you know, see if we could turn it around. And, and we were able to do that. So uh, I probably would have stayed put. Speaking of Robert Turbin, former Utah State star, college Hall of Famer and NFL player. So, Robert, during the broadcast, you and Chris Lewis spent some time. You didn't just mention that Utah State was dedicating the game to mental health. You spent some time talking about it, which – for me, meant something. I'm a major mental health advocate, and Suicide Prevention Month is in September. I actually tweeted to you guys, and during the break, you liked the tweet. So I know how much it meant to you, and you somewhat touched upon your own de- uh, mental health demons, and I'm wondering if you might just share with the audience, you know, just as, a, as an athlete from, from, from high school to college to pro, um, you know, and why it's important, especially for men, to, to, to talk and why it's important. Yeah, I know for me, uh, well, really for athletes in general and, and, and ball players that I've been around, you know, we're naturally reserved. We grow up in, in this, uh, you know, we grow up with, the, with these concepts of, you know, 
you know, pushing through and, you know, sucking it up and, you know, putting dirt on your injuries and all these other kind of analogies that you can think of. But nobody's ever said, hey, talk to somebody, speak with someone, or, you know, express how you feel. You know, that was always a sign of weakness. You know, don't show weakness, right? That, that's, that's kind of the, the mantra uh, in sports, really in any sport, right? Not, not just football. Uh, but the reality is, you know, everybody, we're just, you know, we're just human beings, man. You know what I mean? We're going to make human errors. Uh, nobody's, nobody's perfect and everybody, uh, has challenges, you know, that they, that, that, that we face, you know, throughout our lives. And the fact of the matter is we don't know, we don't have all the answers, you know, we don't know how to handle everything all the time. Uh, and so if we're unable to open ourselves up and be vulnerable and express those things and, uh, we compress everything, and that's that's when the bad things start to happen, you know. And uh, so it's great to avoid, you know. It, it's uh, you know, it's, it, it's great to just spread awareness to it, so we can continue to, um, you know, prevent some of the things that are going on with their own family and friends. And I said on the broadcast, you know, I mean, I I even went through my own struggles, losing people in my life, close people, and uh, you know, family members, and transitioning out of the game of football was a difficult uh, time for me as well. Uh, but I was able to speak to someone and I'm, and I'm someone who's a, who's an introvert and I don't, I, I never really was comfortable talking to most people, but uh, you know, I, I, I actually realized that my vulnerability is my greatest strength. Uh, and so uh, that's, you know, or else I wouldn't be on the radio talking to you guys right now. There you go. So, um, so it's a, it's a very important thing, and I'm glad we shed some awareness to it. Robert, great spot, man. We appreciate it. Good job on the uh, the TV gig, and thanks for stepping up for us on short notice. Hey, no problem. There he is, Robert Turbin, former Seahawks running back, 32 years old, making the transition into regular life and doing the game on CBS Sports Network. I hope he's getting a lot more assignments. Can I throw this in about Utah State? Man, they have an uphill climb. And I don't think they're a bad team at all, and I think that was a good win for UNLV. But I don't know what the deal is with Logan Bonner. I don't know why he was out there the whole time. He threw five interceptions. He was all over the place, though. He threw some great balls, and he's, he's a good quarterback. I mean, last year's numbers were awesome. You know, he's had a good history against UNLV, but he threw so many 50-50 balls, it was just too much. Why they didn't go to Lega or Levi Williams is there, who you know played a lot at Wyoming, I don't know. And then... Frankly, the Aggies' behavior on the field was ridiculous. They got flagged for so many personal fouls. There was so much trash talk. I mean, I saw it almost from the get-go. Um, McGriff, one of their receivers, caught a pass against Noel Williams, and I was standing down there, and the other players and then the officials had to, like, run and block this wide receiver, McGriff, because he wanted to talk trash. It's like, it's early in the game. What are, and they did it throughout, and then just – undisciplined moments, a low snap where a punter has to you know, go down to his knee to pick it up, and then the ball is placed at the five-yard line. There's a penalty on that play. It's moved to the, the two-and-a-half. I couldn't believe the lack of discipline from a Blake Anderson team. I just thought it was incredibly sloppy. Well, and before you brought up the, the, the discipline part, and you said, you know, I don't know why they did this or this, and I was going to say that's a credit to the coaching staff and that Mark Sorroyo outcoached, but then you followed with the discipline, and it falls right there. Marcus Arroyo outcoached, and the Rebels outplayed. End of story. They did, and their defensive backs are getting a lot better at ball recognition, which has been a problem for 
who knows how long. Back to the Sanchez era. These guys are bigger. They're getting a little more savvy. So that's a big improvement. And I do believe that running the ball early and being consistent with it with Aiden Robbins is wearing down teams. And Utah State on defense got tired late in the game.